Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. And so, um, you know, it's so good to be here. What great worship, Sophie. Amazing team. Everybody, you know, it takes a team to... You know, they say it takes a village to make a child, but it takes a team to make a worship time so special. And you can see the hearts of every member of the team, that they are just filled with excitement toward the Lord. It's not up here like a big performance or a show. It literally is kind of peeking into their individual um, quiet times to a degree. And then the response of the community here was just amazing. You know, when we sing shout, I love to hear people shout, not just shout to God with the voice of John, you know, shout, you know, so it's like activity, we're participating with heaven, you know, we have those that have graduated on into heaven, I have a sister that's up there, I feel so close to her during worship time, because I know we're joining in with what's happening in heaven, and it's being released here on earth, and we get to be a part of it, but I just wanted to give you this one scripture, because I'm not going to take all the time, but anyway, it's in Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You know, I get excited when I hear that the body during the pandemic had no lack. And then beyond that, we give out to those that are in the community, and they see the goodness of God on our lives, and it causes them to rethink what life is really like. They begin to see a vision of the kingdom. And so I'm excited today because I know that what God has for all of us today is getting ready to set you up for greater success in your Christian walk. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for that. Every day I want to learn something new. I want to grow in something new, something more in God because I know I look more like him today than yesterday, hopefully. And so in the midst of it, that's the goal is just to keep moving forward and letting his love change and transform us into his image, to what he's like. And it's so powerful because we get to watch that not only in our own lives, but in our kids, in those kids that are coming, all those kinds of things, the people that are coming. And so I just want to bless you today. Can you just receive a blessing today from the Lord? Come on. Lord, I thank you today. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. And Lord, it's not just about financial riches, although that's awesome, but it's also about the richness of the character of God that's being developed in our lives. So that, Father, as we just go in our everyday sphere of work or assignments or tasks or whatever, we're looking around for the one that's around us that needs a touch from you, Lord, needs a smile, needs maybe some money, And we thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are awesome. We're so glad to be here. Now you heard from the best half. All right. I'm second string. Okay. Um, Wow. Just, just, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but something awesome is going on here at Authentic Church. And we're so proud of you guys and your pastors we love them and appreciate them, and we just see nothing but green lights ahead and good things ahead. And, uh, you know, uh, I was just thinking about when Pam said I have a word from Hebrews. You probably heard that. 
the husband and wife that had the big argument about who was supposed to get out of bed and make the coffee, right? Y'all heard about that? You didn't hear about that? They get up in the morning and they're arguing, you know, you get out of bed. No, you get out of bed, you know. You need to make coffee. And finally the wife says, no. She says, it's in the Bible. He says, what do you mean? She says, she says yeah, Hebrews. <laughs> I know, it's pretty corny. <laughs> Sophie, would you stand up? Uh, Sophie, uh, you, I, I was just, I just was, uh, you know, here in the, in the service and just enjoying your leading of worship this morning. <clears throat> I just be believe that you are a glory bringer, that everywhere you go, you're going to bring the glory of God. It's just going to surround you. And the verse that God gave me for you is 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, and you know this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, and we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image, into his image, from one degree of glory to another. And you've, you really, you know, you know, you'll hear a little bit about your parents and your house meeting and all that stuff. And, of course, I believe that there's generations of, of grace and anointing that come on. And certainly uh, the anointing for glory has landed on you. And so I just see you bringing glory wherever you go. All right? All right. Come on. And uh, Rudy and Tanya, would you stand up? <laughs> hey, uh, so proud of you guys. I keep track of you a little bit on Facebook and just sitting there today, I just felt like, and I, you know, already know this, it's just going to be another confirmation. You are fire starters. That's what you are. You start fires. Uh, and I see that you're going to go in and go, go, go out and come in, go out and come in. Uh, you're going to, and everywhere you go, you're going to start a fire. And uh, also, I, and maybe you already got this on your agenda, but I see international travel coming upon you. You're going to start to go to some other countries and start fires there. I hope that's a confirmation to you. All right, bless these guys. Well, I have a word for everybody, but it's in my message. Okay. I just lost what I was going to read to you. Okay. All right. Uh, let me just... Uh, ask you a question. Why are you here today? It's always a good question to ask yourself. <laughs> why are you here today? Well, I know why I'm here today, and I think I know why you're here today. How many of you want to know why you're here today? <laughs> Three people. Okay, the rest are like, I don't think I want to know. I'll tell you why we're here today, because we're going to destroy the works of the devil. That's what we're going to do. Uh, John, the apostle, in his epistles wrote, and he said, Jesus came, I got to get my fix here, pastor keeps me supplied with these, he's my drug dealer, anyhow, <clears throat> where was I, uh, the apostle John, the apostle John said this about Jesus, he said, Jesus came for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so today, I'm going to give you, actually, I have a picture in First Chronicles chapter 11 of what we're going to actually do. This is not the message, but this is what I had a vision of us, and you know, if you like have problems with visions, it just means I'm still a young man. So um, some of you will get that if you read your Bible. Okay. Um, 
uh, I had a picture of what we're actually doing here today. It's in First Chronicles chapter 11. It won't be on the screen, but First Chronicles 11, uh, in verse 22, it's talking about the mighty men of David, and it talks about Benaniah. Okay, Benaniah. Remember, remember Benaniah. It says Benaniah was the son of Jehodiah, and was he was a valiant man, and he was a doer of great deeds. And it says he struck down two heroes of Moab, and he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a, on a, snow, a snowy day. That's a book, actually. Uh, and then this is the thing that God showed me. He struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. So that's a pretty tall guy. And it says he struck him down. The Egyptian had in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam, but Benaniah went down to him with the staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hands and killed him with his own spear. And so we're going to do that today. We're, we're going to snatch a spear out of the enemy's hands and we're going to use it against him. Come on. It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> so today, uh, what I'm going to do, we're going to do is we're going to take something. Uh, in Matthew 24, one, it talks about uh, that Jesus' disciples said, can you tell us what will be the signs of your coming back? That's Matthew 24. If you've never read it, it's just, it's just like opening up the, you know, the, the news today. And you can, if you want to read the news today, just read Matthew 24. So it's the signs just before Jesus comes and it talks about wars, hello, rumors of wars, sicknesses, pestilences, People hating each other, right? Uh, and, and it gives different ones. And then it says, it says, I think twice in there, it says, and then many will be offended. Many will be offended. Have you ever been in a, some of you are not old enough, you know. Uh, I've never seen the, the spirit of offense so prevalent in, uh, in America like it is today. How many of you can say, you don't have to prophesy to know that. It's just... That's just a reality. And so Jesus said one of the major signs of the end times would that people would be offended. It says they would betray one another. Even family members would betray one another. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is that I want to talk to you about how to turn offenses into opportunities. Okay, so the, let me just say it this way. The devil has a purpose in offenses, but God also has a purpose in offenses. And you're going to learn about that today. And so uh, how many of you believe, you know, that the Bible says in, about Jesus, says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? All the promises. Now, how many of you have this promise on your refrigerator? Matthew 24, I just quoted, verses 10 through 12, and then many will be offended. Is that on your refrigerator? <laughs> it's a promise of God that yes said amen in Christ Jesus. All right. And they will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Why? Because of offenses. When, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because of offenses. Now, let me make sure I'm talking to the right people. How many of you have ever been offended? Okay. How many of you have ever offended someone? Yeah, you're on both sides of that deal, right? 
Come on, I'm good at that. In fact, some of you are going to be offended today by my message. So, <laughs> this will be good. And in uh, Matthew uh, 18, 7, I don't think I have it uh, on the screen. I don't know if I do. 18? No. Uh, 18, 7 says this, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses, Jesus said, must come. So offenses are going to happen. It's part of life. And so it isn't the fact that uh, there's going to be offenses. It's like, what do you do with the offenses when they come? Now, there are three sources uh, or, or ways that offenses come. There are three ways that I see here. Number one, we get offended with God. And that's right. We get offended with God. Uh, I prayed a prayer. I believed for something. I believed my, you know, relative was not going to die, and they died. Uh, you know, so on, and, and you know, we're just like, I, where were you, God? How come you, you know, it's, and read David. David's like, where are God? Where are you? I need your help right now. And so we get offended by God because we've been abused or something was happening. Why didn't he step in and help us and so on? Second is the, the one that everyone's aware of, and that is that we get offended by other people, Right? Uh, some of you got offended on the freeway on the way here to church. So, you know, somebody cut you off, you know, something happened, uh, gave you the one-way sign. I don't know. But anyhow, <laughs> one-way, Jesus, okay. <laughs> so we get offended by other people, by their actions toward us, uh, their attitudes toward us. Uh, they ignore us, uh, or sometimes it's just their personality that offends us, Right? Uh, some people, they just, that's their gift. They're, you know, their personality just offends everybody around them. Or we get offended by other people's success. Why are you, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm the Christian God. Why is my neighbor prospering more than I am, you know? And so we get offended, number one, by God. Number two, we get offended by other people. And number three, we offend ourselves. We don't even need the devil or anybody to do it. We're just good at offending ourselves, Right? We say something stupid, we do something stupid, and we just, you know, realize I just offended myself. And so those are the three ways that offenses come. Now, one of the, uh, another promise of God is that it's found in Psalms 133. It says this, it says, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that comes upon the head of Aaron, runs down his beard, down to the edge of his garments. It's like the dew that falls on the mountains of Zion. And then it says, for there God commands a blessing. So in other words, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. How would you like to live in a commanded blessing by God? Okay. Well, the requirement of that, and in fact, Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I pray that they are one. Just like you, Father, and I are one, I pray that they would be one. Because when the church is one, he says, then the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. The greatest witness of Jesus is the church in unity. How many of you know the church isn't in unity? <laughs> And so the devil understands that. You know, the devil has read the Bible as well. And so he knows that if he can keep us divided, he can keep us from experiencing the glory of God. He can keep us from being a radical witness to the reality that Jesus Christ is real. 
And so unity brings the power and glory of God and offenses is the number one cause of disunity. You know, why do we have so many sectors of Christianity? We have so many denominations and non-denominations and no denominations and all this. Why do we have all that? And some people will say, well, it's because we don't agree on doctrine. I, I would say that's very small cause of, dis, of disunity. I'll tell you why we have so many different churches and, a, not, again, some, I'm not saying that all churches are birthed out of this, or why people go from church to church to church, it's because they've been offended, and they didn't know what to do with it. So we start another church. <laughs> That's not a good idea, but anyhow. <laughs> so how do you know? Maybe you're sitting there saying, oh, this is so great. I'm so glad I came this morning because I don't have this problem. <laughs> well, I want to help you. Uh, how do you know if you have an unresolved offense. Well, here's some of the signs that you might have an unresolved offense. Number one, from time to time you rehearse the offense uh, in your mind and you re-experience the hurt and the pain of the offense. So if you have something that you were hurt no matter how long ago, maybe many, many years ago or recently, and it just keeps coming back to you, and when it does, you feel the pain of it, that's a good sign you may have an unresolved offense. Another one is that you're continually experiencing tormenting thoughts and fears, especially if you're having like a lot of um, fearful dreams at night, tormenting dreams, things like that, that could be, not, it's, I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying could be a sign that you have an unresolved offense. Another one that's probably a pretty sure thing is you can't look the other person in the eyes. Right? You're shopping over here at Costco. You happen to notice they're on one aisle, and you make sure you go to another aisle to avoid contact with them uh, because you have an unresolved offense. Another one is you are continually changing churches, jobs, and friends, and maybe spouses, <laughs> for sure. That's a sure sign that you have an unresolved offense. And then here's another one, that is that you have a critical, suspicious spirit, and you call it discernment. Okay, three people got that one. All right. You have this critical, judgmental, suspicious spirit. You believe, you believe that you get sent to churches to be the church critic, okay? And really, you don't have the gift of discernment. You have an unresolved offense in your life. Here's another sure sign, you're a loner. You just can't be around people. You just gotta be by yourself. You just don't wanna be around anybody. Why? Because you have been hurt and you're afraid of getting hurt again. And then another one is that you are easily offended or you take up offenses for other people regularly. So if you're just like easily, you're just walking around, you got this, we used to call it, you know, having a chip on your shoulder, and you just go around, you want somebody to knock the chip off all the time so you can be offended with them, that's a sure sign you have an unresolved offense in your life. So what happens when we don't forgive others? So the Bible, how many of you read enough of the Bible to know that the Bible says we are supposed to forgive other people? Anybody this half understands? How about you over here? Do you? Okay. And so what happens, what does the Bible tell us that happens when we hold unforgiveness toward other people? Well, number one, when we don't forgive, 
we hinder and damage our relationship with God. By the way, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison thinking you're hurting the other person. And so uh, when we don't forgive, we damage our relationship with God uh, because we, we, we begin to block, we have a block that, that's in us because we, we, because God forgives us. That's what it tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, bearing with one another, Paul says, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as Christ forgave you, so you must do. So, by the way, uh, forgiving is a command. It's not an option. Forgiving is something that we can do. It's not about, well, I'll forgive as soon as I feel like it. Uh, you know, as soon as I feel good about a forgiving or I feel like I can forgive, then I'll forgive. No, it's an act of our will. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make. Another one is that when we don't forgive, we open ourselves up to deception because sin is deceitful and unforgiveness is sin. And so there's a deceitfulness in sin. We begin to... We open, that's, that's why it says in Matthew that I just read, you know, mentioned a little while ago, it says that many will be offended and then false prophets will come. Well, why are false prophets coming? Because we've been offended and we are open now to being deceived. Are you all with me? Uh, another uh, uh, re- thing that happens when we don't forgive is that we are turned over to tormenting spirits. Just remember now Matthew 18. Everybody say Matthew 18. Okay. So Matthew 18 is where Peter comes up to Jesus. He wants to impress Peter. He wa- I mean, Peter wants to impress Jesus. So he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother when he offends me? Seven times? All right. Now, he, Peter thought he's really impressing the Lord because under the, uh, the, the uh, Pharisaical rules, you were, you were responsible to forgive somebody three times. After the third time you forgave them, if they offended you, it's eye for eye and tooth for tooth. In other words, I'm going to knock you out. Okay? So Peter thought, hey, I'm going to outdo the Pharisees. I'm going to forgive them seven times. And then Jesus shocks him and says, no, you're going to for, you need to forgive seven, what? 70 times seven or something like that. And so poor Peter, you know, he's like, oh, man. And then Jesus goes on to tell a story in Matthew 18 about a man. There's a king, and there's this man who owes the king a huge amount of money. And he, uh, he goes to the king, and the king's like brought him in. He's going to turn him over to jail. He's going to put him in jail and all this until he gets all the debt back. And he, and he owed him like a $10 million debt. That's what he owed. And so he fell down before the king and said, please forgive me. And it says the king felt compassion for him and forgave him the whole debt. Uh, You know, you think, hallelujah, come on. The guy walks right out of this being forgiven, sees a guy who owes him what, like one day's wage. Owes him a little bit of money. And it says he goes up to the guy and he, this is the guy that's been forgiven. And he grabs the other guy by the throat, begins to choke him saying, pay me everything you owe me. And it says the guy, the other guy fell down and said, please forgive me the debt and I'll pay you everything. But it says the man who had just been forgiven, it says he would not forgive him. 
Well, some of the king's servants were standing by, and they watched, they saw this interaction happen, and they went to the king and said, hey, king, you know that guy that you forgave the $10 million debt? He wouldn't forgive this guy for one day's wages. So the king calls him back in. He said, I forgave you that huge debt, and you wouldn't forgive that guy that owed you a little thing? He, he, and then he says to the soldiers, take him and turn him over to the tormentors. So when we don't forgive, now for us, well, what are the tormentors? They're demonic forces. They're demonic spirits that will begin to torment you. So when you don't forgive, it's like opening a door to the devil and saying, come on in. You can see why forgiveness is such a big deal uh, for us. Here's another one. When we don't forgive, we allow a root of bitterness to take place in us or to develop in us. And many times it leads to division in the church and people get defiled with our negative spirit. So when you hold unforgiveness in you, it can fester or grow into a deeper infection in your life called bitterness. And uh, bitterness is a tough thing. In Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, Look carefully, uh, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Every one of us carries an atmosphere everywhere we go. There's an atmosphere around your life. I mean, what we do in our, our church uh, in Santa Maria, where we're from, is we constantly t train our people and teach our people the fact that they're carrying an atmosphere so that wherever they go, the atmosphere of the presence of God goes with them. So that when they walk into the store, when they go to the gas station, when us, like yesterday, we're standing at the front door of our hotel and there's this guy named Mo. Uh, that is working down there on Huntington Beach, or he's lived there for 20 years, and this guy is, he's like a guy, you don't want to stand next to him. I mean, it's like, something's very dirty about this guy, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, I'm just standing there, and I'm listening to him. I won't go into the whole story, but, and so I walked up to Mo, and I said, Mo, he had all these um, chains, and he had all these different kinds of crosses hanging around his neck, and so I walked up and said, hey, Mo. I said, cool crosses, let me see those, you know. He said, oh, yeah, I got, I got all the religions here. He says, there's, you know, always, you know, go to God, right? And I said, no, not right. <laughs> I didn't say it that way, but I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't agree with that. And so, uh, so, yeah, so Mo, so then I just, just, I look at Mo and I said, Mo, you've been called by God to be a prophet. And boy, that had his attention immediately. So anyhow, going to, we ended up, pastor pulled up in his car. We ended up, we laid hands on him. He had metal on his shoulder. And we just started praying for Mo. And Mo is a big influencer in the, right there by the beach. I mean, he has a whole following of young people that he is affecting their lives. But I think maybe God's going to get a hold of him and he's going to turn that around. Why? Because we carry an atmosphere with us everywhere we go, either positive or negative. That's right, you know. We can be like the guy in uh, Peanuts, you know, that has all the dirty, you know, all the dust, all, what's his name? Pigpen, okay? All right, if there's any pigpens in here, we want to clean you up today. That's more prophetic than I thought. But anyhow, 
So you can carry, when you, if you have unforgiveness that's been unresolved for a long time, you can carry an, a negative atmosphere, and it says, that defiles other people. Your, your bitterness defiles other people uh, in the church. Now, how you and I respond to offenses determines whether you're going to go higher, to a higher level in God's grace and love, or you're going to be buried under a life of bitterness and resentment. Now, as I said earlier, the devil has a, a purpose for offenses, which is to bring division so that he can come in and control the situation. But let me give you the good side. That is that God has a purpose for offenses, okay? As Jesus said, offenses must come. So we're all gonna get offended. It's going to happen. Let me just prophesy over you. You're gonna get offended. It's going to happen. Now, if that comes true, you know I'm a true prophet. Okay, we're gonna get offended. And so in, for the devil, he wants to get you to get into bitterness and unforgiveness and all that. But for God, it's an opportunity for promotion in the kingdom of God. The way God, see, the kingdom of God is upside down from the world. And so one of the ways it is is that God promotes us through offenses. How you, defeat, how you and I deal with the offense determines whether we're going to take steps up with God. You see, your, your offense either becomes a stepping stone into another higher place in the spirit or your tombstone burying you in a sea of forgetfulness, I mean, of unforgiveness. And so, when offenses, so what I want you to do, so this, now what we're doing is we're snatching the spear out of the hand of the enemy, and we're going to turn it against him. Because he intended for offenses to bring us down, but guess what? Our offenses are actually going to bring us up. Amen. Come on. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Fred. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. And so when I learned this, I learned this many, many years ago, and when I learned this, uh, I began to, because, you know, you're getting, I, I was, I'm kind of hard to offend, but I really am good at offending a lot of other people. Not so much now, but anyhow, I was really good at that. But, uh, but when I discovered, oh, so here offenses come, you know, betrayals come, people think, do things, and you're just completely blindsided, you know, your best friends. David even writes about a man who is his close friend who betrays him. He writes about it in Psalms. And so how you and I respond to that now gives us the opportunity. If you understand that offenses are part of God's plan to promote you, then when offense comes, you're going to have a whole different attitude toward it and a view of it. You all with me? Am I talking to the right people? All right. Is this offending you? Just want to check. So that's God's purpose in it. So let me just get down to here and close with uh, how do we respond properly to offenses? How do we respond? Now, don't run these up, whoever's running the PowerPoint yet. I'm just going to give them to you really fast, okay, because you, you will not forget this, all right? How do I respond properly to offenses? Well, here they are. Don't nurse them. Don't curse them. Don't rehearse them, disperse them, and God will reverse them. Okay? Don't, don't nurse them, don't curse them, don't rehearse them, disperse them, 
and God will reverse them. And I'm going to explain that real quick to each one. But I don't nurse them. What I mean is that you sit around licking your wounds, feeling sorry for yourself. You're having a pity party that nobody else wants to come to. And you carry your offense around like your newborn baby. And you take your offense. And, and have you seen my offense? Look at that. They did that to me. Isn't that terrible? And so you nurse your offense. Now, nobody, want, nobody, can, nobody wants it. Nobody cares about your offense. Come on. They don't want to go to your pity party. And so don't nurse it. Don't nurse it. By don't curse it, curse them, what I mean is that's where you allow an attitude of revenge and bitterness to develop in us that causes us to become negative, critical, cynical people, and it destroys our faith. Now, let me give you a little story. I haven't told you any stories yet, but I'll tell you one now. So I was a pastor in Missouri, young lady from Missouri. What town are you from? Bolivar, yeah. I was in Harrisonville. Do you know where that is? Too bad. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, I know where Bolivar is, though. Okay, so I was pastoring... Uh, in Missouri, and uh, this was my first, uh, first time being a pastor, and, uh, and so we, you know, I was in a small town, and we had a pastor's association or group that got together, and there was this one pastor that every time we got together would out loud put me down in front of all the other pastors and declare I shouldn't be a pastor and blah, 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 blah. He would out, I mean, I, you know, no, he wasn't shy about it at all. He would just, you know, say it right in front of everybody else. Well, we had this special uh, sun, sunrise service on an Easter morning where all the churches got together, and uh, his church provided the hymnals. Some of you don't know what that is. Doesn't matter. Anyhow, uh, for the, uh, the, the sunrise service. So after the next day on Monday, I was taking him back to his church, and he was out front of the church, and he said, hey, come on in. Come, on, come back into my office. And I thought, hallelujah. He's, you know, he's going to like, be nice to me now. You know, he's just, you know, gonna, he's changed his attitude and everything. So I go back to his office. I'm walking down the hallway to his office, and the Holy Spirit says to me, whatever he says to you, you do not say anything. <laughs> whatever he says to you, you don't say anything. So I get into his office, and he sits down. We're about five feet from each other. He's sitting in his chair. And his first statement was, do you know that everybody in this city hates you and your church? And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and so I didn't respond, so he now steps it up another notch and says a little louder and says something negative. I didn't respond, and he literally is gets to the point after four or five statements, he's out of his seat five inches from my face, red, screaming in my face. At this point, I'm now sitting on my hands <laughs> because I'm about to knock him unconscious. <laughs> God said, and don't say anything. I'm like, ah. So he finishes, and he's like ran out of gas, and he just plops back down. <sighs> he sits back down in his chair, and I stand up, and I go, well, thank you very much. 
And so I just, I'm walking out feeling really great about myself, <laughs> but I didn't say anything, you know. But as soon as I got out in my car, I was going to my house, I'm getting my shotgun, and I'm going to shoot the windows out of his house. <laughs> and so don't, don't curse them. When I was a kid, I was always, I was born this size. I was always the big kid in class. And uh, so I got picked on a lot in, in, when I was in grade school. And I would go home at night, and I would get under the covers of my bed, and I would picture myself in a, in a fighter jet strafing their houses and, you know, shooting them with machine guns. <laughs> I'll get you. And so I don't curse them means you, you, you're going to take revenge. I'm going to get back to you. You did one to me, you just wait. I'm going to... It's going to come back around. So that so number one is don't what they're right on the screen. Well, they were. Don't nurse them. Number two is what? Don't curse them. Here's number three. This is a big one. Don't. Oh, they're all there. That's good. Don't rehearse them. Don't rehearse them. Now this is huge. Now by rehearse them, I mean, and that's where we share our offense with someone else. Okay? And if we're Christians, we do it covertly. We, we go like, hey, let's, let's all get together and pray, you know? <laughs> now, but, you know, we need to pray for Jason, you know? <laughs> and how, you know, what a dirty rat that guy is, you know? Lord, help him. <laughs> no, he's not. He's an awesome guy. I know. I know Jason, so we're cool. He, I hope he can handle that, right? If not, you can go to counseling with your wife. <laughs> so anyhow, um, so when you rehearse them, every time you rehearse the offense, so an offense is like a sword that's been stuck into your heart. That's what it's like. So every time you share it with someone else, it's like you grabbing the, the handle of a sword and you're pushing the hurt deeper into your heart. And so, uh, you, so we don't rehearse them. And not only that, what happens is when we rehearse it, so if I said, you know, Jason, and I'm in, in the prayer circle and I pray that, now everybody's going to look at Jason weird, right? They really like Jason, but all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, we're not sure about Jason now. Because you defiled them with your negative report about them. And, uh, and, and so... Uh, we, we, you know, big deal. Let me just, everybody say big deal. Don't rehearse them, okay? So number one, don't nurse them. Number two, don't curse them. Number three, don't rehearse them. And number four, disperse them. So what do we do with offenses? We disperse them to God. We give them to God. So the proper thing to do with them is to disperse them to God, releasing and forgiving those who offend us this brings God's favor and grace on our lives because we're responding the way Christ responds to us. Every time you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you. And by the way, he forgets whatever you did. Now, there are four steps to dispersing our offenses. Here they are. You ready? How many of you want to know how to disperse your offenses? Same three people. Okay. That's good. I got some good fruit going here Okay, here's how we disperse them. Choose to forgive the person and say it out loud to God. Choose to forgive. Again, 
Remember, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a decision. God commands us to forgive, so he wouldn't command you to do something that you could not do. Well, I just can't do that. No, yes, you can. Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, tell your feelings to shut up. Choose to forgive the person and say it out loud. Next thing is make a decision to never rehearse the offense to anyone ever again. And so make that decision and then choose to bless the person. Now, Jesus said, bless those who offend you, right? Those who do evil to you. Bless them and don't curse them. And so you're going to bless the person uh, every time the enemy brings them to your mind. Because after you forgive, the devil's going to bring them back to your mind again. And when he does, you say, thank you, devil. I wanted to bless those people. So thanks for the reminder. I guarantee if you keep doing that, the devil won't remind you about that offense anymore. Are you ready for one more story? How much time have I got? Another hour? What? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, back there in Missouri, or Missouri, which one is it for you? Missouri? Missouri, okay. Hey, you're one of the intelligent people in Missouri. For some of them, it's Missouri. And so, uh, back in Missouri, I had this family that came to our church. And um, uh, they came, and just a nice family, and all of a sudden, their house burns down, and they, the husband gets accused of arson, about hiring a couple of guys to burn down the house. So a couple of guys go, and they're, they're arrested for burning down his house, and they say, no, it's the husband. He paid us to do it. So the husband ends up getting sent to prison. So he gets sent to prison, and so... We, because uh, this they're brand new to the church, we we take care of the family while he's we know we supply all the family's finances and everything, and we take care of them. And I go visit him in the prison, and then I write the judge a letter saying, you know, would you, you know, would you lighten his sentence and so on. And sure enough, the judge responds, and he gets back out of prison, and now they're back together as a family and all this. Well, a couple of years go by, and, and there are people that sit right on the second row, right in the front. And, uh, and one day, a couple comes to me, and they said, hey, did you know, and they named this couple, man, they are just bad-mouthing you and the church, saying that we don't help people, you know, and we're just terrible, we're just, I mean, you're a terrible pastor, and this is a terrible church, and all that. And so I called the couple into my office, and I said, hey, so-and-so says you're saying this. And they said, oh, no, we would never say that. I thought, well, okay. Uh, maybe they misunderstood, you know, or something like that. So a week or so goes by, and a different couple from the church comes and says, hey, so-and-so came and talked to us, and they're just death on our church, you know. I mean, they're just, they're just really, you know, that. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, God, I have to look at these people every Sunday, you know. Please, God, move them to the church. And sure enough, they moved to another church in our town. Then I get a phone call from the pastor, who I know. He said, man, this family came to our church, and they hate your church, and they hate you, and they're letting everybody know. I said, well, well at least I don't have to look at them every Sunday, you know. <laughs> and so then they move in next door to us. A house comes up for rent next door to our house. Guess who moves in? They move in, and on that side of our house is all glass. So we have to look at them every day. 
as they come in and out of their house. And at this point, I'm like, oh, God, what did I do to deserve this? Help me, Jesus. And the Lord says to me, bless them. Bless them. Physically bless them. So we start taking over pies and cakes and gift certificates and all this. And guess what? They completely changed. Oh, by the way, before this all happens, they came back to our church still with the bitterness. <laughs> I'm like, God, why? Why me, God? <laughs> so we just begin to bless them. And guess what? They completely transform. Their son becomes a major missionary in, in, in Central America to this day, literally feeds hundreds of thousands of people down in there and all that. And so by blessing them, it broke the curse. It broke what was going on in their life, and they turned around. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but at least it sets you free. Come on. So do good to them if possible. So don't, choose to forgive them, make a decision never to rehearse it. Choose to bless them and do good to them if possible, acting on your commitment to forgive and bless them. And then the fifth thing on the screen there, which you saw, is that God will reverse them. So don't nurse them, don't curse them, don't rehearse them, disperse them, and God will reverse them. What do I mean by that? When we disperse our offenses to God, the following things happen. Number one, here's a biggie. It closes the door to the devil in your life. And we're going to do that today. We're going to close some doors. So it closes the door to the enemy in your life, giving him, give him no place or opportunity. It actually tells us in Ephesians, it says, do not be, it says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't give a place or an opportunity to the devil. That's what the Bible says. Uh, another one is that the Lord turns the offense into a blessing, causing growth and maturity in our lives and sets us free from self-centeredness. So one of the reasons that you get offended is the world surrounds you. I mean, it's all about you, right? So the more you know how to deal with offenses, the world becomes less about you and more about other people. Your, and then here's another one. Your capacity to love increases every time you forgive when the offense comes. Your heart grows bigger. You, you and another one is that you become less offendable, right? So if you want to, like, I want a, I want a, you know, a, a non-offense flak jacket. I need one of those today. <laughs> the way you do it is by responding correctly to offenses. Every time you do, then it gets harder for you to be offended. Are you all with me? So don't nurse them. Don't curse them. Don't rehearse them. Disperse them. And God will reverse them. Now, sometimes, and we're out of time for stories, sometimes, well, like this couple, it actually turned it around, and they became great members and great uh, people to this day that are just walking with Jesus and so on. Sometimes that doesn't happen. It doesn't change them, but it doesn't matter. It changes you. That's what's the most important thing. It helps you to go to another level. So when that offense comes, just think, ha, promotion is getting ready to happen. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, thank you very much. But it is, it's true. Just read the Bible. Look at the major people in the Bible. David, Joseph, Moses. How did they get promoted? You got it, through offenses. That's right. How they handled offenses, which was caused them to begin to be promoted in the kingdom of God. All right, so we're going to now deal with this. 
And we're going to take the weapon today out of the hand of the enemy, and we're going to destroy him with his own weapon, all right? Are you ready for that? All right, so here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand up. And uh, if you have discovered that you have an unresolved offense, then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer uh, where you're going to thank God for having forgiven you. How many of you are thankful that God's forgiven you? All right. Yeah, I hope that's everybody. And we thank God he's forgiven me. Come on. And then we're going to actually choose to forgive people. Now, when we do that, when we choose to forgive them, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's like you have this bird cage or this cage inside of you, and you keep the people that you don't forgive inside that cage. And then every once in a while, you open the door, get them out, and you beat them up, and then you put them back in the cage. And so today, what we're going to do is take the door off the cage, we're going to get them out, we're going to speak to them, we're going to say, I forgive you. And then we're going to just give them to the Lord. Now, let me just tell you, when we do that, there'll be physical healing that will happen. There'll be emotional healing that will happen. There will be uh, mental healing that will happen. And for sure, you're going to feel weight lift off of you that you didn't realize you were carrying around. Remember, unforgiveness is like drinking poison thinking it's hurting somebody else when it's only hurting you. So let's all stand, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer here. And I guarantee, because we're doing what God wants, supernatural things are going to happen to you as we pray this prayer. In fact, some of you haven't had joy for a long time, and you're going to have the joy of the Lord. You're your family members and your friends are going to say, what happened to you? You seem to be happy now. You're going to say, praise God, I dealt with unforgiveness. Come on. I got rid of an offense, and it set me free. All right. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now and uh, just rest upon us. I know I'm at the right place at the right time with the right people. And, God, we just thank you for forgiving us. Now, I want you to begin to thank God for forgiveness. Just say, thank you, Jesus. To say this, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you. I've offended you, but you've chosen to forgive me. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive. Now, I want you to get those people out of the cage. Hold them in your hand. I want you to just say under your breath, if it's the person next to you, don't say it real loud. And I want you to choose to forgive them. Now, what we're doing right now is not just for today. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. This is a Monday thing. It's a Tuesday thing. It's a Wednesday thing. It's a Thursday. It's everywhere you go. So now, Lord, we choose to forgive those that have offended us, that have abused us, that have misused us, that have betrayed us, that have hurt us, that have rejected us, that have lied about us. God, we forgive them. Just like you looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The people that offended us, they don't know what they're doing. God, we forgive them. We ask for mercy on their lives. 
And now, Father, we thank you. We choose to never rehearse the offense ever again. Come on, just say that. I choose to never rehearse the offense ever again. And now, Lord, I release them. I give these people to you. And I say to them, you don't owe me anymore. Come on. You don't owe me anymore. Right now, I just give it to you. It's already, man, I can just sense the Holy Spirit now just rolling in this place. And there's freedom coming. And there's deliverance coming. And there's healing coming. And restoration coming. And maturity coming. And love increasing. And joy increasing. It's all coming right now. Father, we thank you for setting us free. Come on. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So, Lord, we thank you. We've now taken away the spear right out of the enemy's hands. And we're turning it around against him because we came to destroy the works of the devil today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray over you as we close. I want to pray for you. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ because you got hurt by some Christian or some pastor or some church. And today, this is removing the block, the thing that's keeping you from having Jesus in your life. Also, I want to pray over you, and I believe that healing is going to come, and I'm going to take authority over spirits of unforgiveness and uh, over spirits of bitterness. You see, there's the devil. How many of you know the devil's working too, right? We don't give him any credit, but he is. And I believe that Jesus said we can cast out demons, okay? So just lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you. God, right now, I pray over every person here that has now opened the door to God and closed the door to the devil. And Father, I speak to their bodies now to be whole because some sickness is caused by unforgiveness and bitterness. And I command healing into their body. And I command any spirits of offense, any spirits of unforgiveness and bitterness right now and resentment, I command you to leave them now in Jesus' name. You come out of them right now. They have no place in, you have no place in their lives anymore. And now, Lord, I ask you to fill them up. Fill them up with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, Lord. And then I ask, Lord, that you would heal every wound in their spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Let it come right now. Holy Spirit, heal all the wounds. Close all those wounds in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you receive that, I think you ought to give a big shout of praise to Jesus. God, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you. We praise you. We bless you, God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been set free. Come on. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.